Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast is sponsored by Alex Fallis in honor of the Kahal, wishing the entire Kahal Haslaha and Alex Fallis and your beautiful family, the entire Kahal also wishes Haslaha to you and your family. Amen. Rabotai, in the beginning of the parasha, we have a, uh, a little bit of a, 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 a piece that kind of seems out of place. The whole parasha describes all the laws of Tzarat, all the laws of Nigaim, all the laws of Tuma. And what do you have over there? You have this little island that talks about the obligation to do Brit Milah on a person's son. So the question is, what exactly is that? Is this part of the Brit Milah doing in the parasha of Tum'ah, of purity and impurity? Why are we describing the laws of, uh, of purity and impurity in the, law, uh, the laws of Brit Milah in a parasha which describes the laws of Tum'ah and Tahara? And there's a very interesting midrash. Sorry, there's a very interesting Gemara. The Gemara in Sukkah says as follows. There are seven different names that the Yetzehara has. And the Gemara goes on to explain. God called the Yetzehara. What name did he give this Yetzehara? What name did he give the evil inclination? He called him Ra, evil. How do we know? The Pasuk says... Ki yetzer lev ha'adam ra menu'rav. The, uh, the, uh, the desires of a person are ra, are evil menu'rav from the time he's a little child. He has this element inside of him that desires, that wants to do the wrong thing. Rabbi so God called the yetzer ra, what did he call him? He called him ra, evil. That means that the creator of humanity, when Hashem created a human being, he put inside of him this desire, God said that desire can be described as evil. Comes Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe Rabbeinu calls the same being that God called Ra, evil, Moshe calls the Yetzirah Arel which means he's uncircumcised. So the Mepharshim ask, if God called him Ra, why is Moshe calling him Arel? Arel means it's something that can be fixed. Arel means that it's uncircumcised but if you give an uncircumcised baby a Brit Milah, you, you, you fixed it. God seems to call it evil, unfixable, and Moshe Rabbeinu calls it Arel, fixable. Why is Moshe arguing with God? And the answer the Mepharshim give is remarkable. It's not that Moshe Rabbeinu was arguing with God. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying the same thing as Hashem, except for one thing. When God calls the Yetzirah evil, you know when He calls him that? He calls him Ra in Gan Eden. In the beginning of time, But when Moshe Rabbeinu calls him Arel, when is Moshe Rabbeinu speaking? After the giving of the Torah. And it's fascinating to note that while the Yetzer Hara has seven names, and a name as we know in Judaism represents an essence, a facet, a deep understanding of something's trunot uh, nefesh, their internal qualities, who else has seven names? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was given Torah, has seven names. The Yetzirah has seven names. What are we supposed to intuit from that? The Gemara tells us in Kiddushin, Barati Yetzirah, I've created this evil inclination. However, says God, Barati Torah Tavlin. I created Torah as an antidote. So the seven names of the Yetzirah are combated. They are... Uh, overwhelmed, they're vanquished by the seven names of Moshe Rabbeinu. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was the being that gave the Jewish people Torah. And it teaches us, like the Gemara in Kiddushin says, you want to know what the antidote to the Yetzirah is? One thing and one thing only, Torah. If you think you're smarter than the Torah, if you think you're smarter than God, you're making one simple mistake. You know what you like? You're like the guy who gets the very complicated, uh, you know, thing in the, in the mail. You start looking at the thing, you're looking, you start putting it together, you know what, at the end you finish, you have three extra screws and the door's falling off the hinges. Why? Because you didn't follow the instructions. The Torah is nothing more and nothing less than the instruction manual for the human being. So if you are looking to try and figure out how to solve for X within the human experience, where a person can sense that they are not their very best self, that they're losing their temper, they see that they're not as free, as generous as they would like to be with their money, with their time, with their attention. They see that they're a little bit more self-centered or self-focused than they want to be. Than they, want to be. they see that they, they don't have the patience that they want with their children, their wives, their, fa- their friends, their family, it doesn't matter. When you see something about yourself that is inadequate, that's the Yetzirah. It's stopping you from being great. The worst enemy that a person has in this world is the Yetzirah. And you know why? Because every other enemy you could deke, you could duke, you could dodge, you could pull out a Muhammad Ali or a Sugar Ray Leonard, you could dance like a butterfly, sting like a bee, you know, you could move, you could dodge, you could use footwork, but you know what? You can't beat yourself. You know why? Because you know all your own tricks. The Yetzirah, he doesn't rent from you space inside your head. He's part and parcel of you. Your challenges and deficiencies, they are your Yetzirah. So every trick that you try, he knows you're about to try it even before. You know what it's like? You have an army and the army's trying to wage war against the enemy. And every move the army makes, the enemy is ready for. What do they know? They know that there's a spy in the ranks. They have to weed out the mole. The number one priority at that stage for the army is not to bomb the enemy, is not to go take over territory, is not to do anything other but to launch a full-scale investigation to expose and to get rid of the mole in its ranks. Rabotai, the Yetzirah is the mole, the spy in the ranks. How do you expose him? Barati Yetzirah says Hashem, I made him. And I'm the only one who knows what the antidote is. It's the Yetzirah. It's the Yetzirah's antidote is the Torah. Now, it sounds like a funny thing, but actually, our Chachamim explained to us that that's why Moshe Rabbeinu called the Yetzer Hara an Arel. Whereas once upon a time you have a baby who's Tameh, it's not that the baby is Tameh, it's not that the baby is bad. All the baby needs is a certain process. He needs, You also have another thing in the Torah that's called an Arel, it's uncircumcised. Not just the baby and his manhood, but also umaltem et orlat like the pasuk says in the barim, and you will circumcise the uncircumcised heart that sits in your chest. What does that mean, Rabotai? The physical nature of a brit milah takes an element of the person's uh, physical sensors, a place in the body which is the most heightened and awareness for a person to receive pleasure, and it says. I'm going to a little bit, I'm going to a little bit take the edge off 
of my desire, my seeking for pleasure. Umaltem et orlat levavchem, the same concept that applies to a brit milah for a child, applies each and every day for a person in their own self. If your decisions are motivated only by what makes you happy, what makes you comfortable, what makes you relaxed, what makes you, then you're not going to do the right thing. Because the right thing, not only is it not always easy, it's almost never easy. You know why? The Yetzirah knows that in today's world, all he needs to do to make you make the wrong decision, he doesn't need to make you bow down to idols today. He doesn't need to make you, uh, you know, uh, sign away your religion and become Christian. He doesn't need to make you do anything. All he needs to do is make it inconvenient. Rabbi, what day is the shi'ur? Oh, Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday is not good for me. Oh, we have one on Tuesday. What time? Seven. Oh, seven's not really good. So you have one on Sunday, Rabbi? Yeah, we got one on Sunday, the breakfast. Oh, I don't like to come to the breakfast because I like to sleep in on the Sunday. You have an answer for everything. The Yetzirah, he's got an answer for everything. He knows your, your weak points. And today, our weakest points is not that we feel like we need to bow down to Avodah Zarah. No one feels that desire anymore. So what's our weak point today? Our weak point is, Shalom Alei Nafshi. Leave me alone. Let me just relax for two minutes. I just want to close my eyes. I'm working too hard, Rabbi. It's so difficult. Ultimately, the choice as to whether or not you want to vanquish the Yetzirah, it sits in each and every one of our hands. Rabbi I want to add one little beautiful piece before, before we sign off, before we sign off today. And I found this to be a beautiful, a beautiful element. The Pasuk says, the Gemara says, excuse me, in Zevachim, it's quoting a Mishnah, and it's talking about a very arcane or obtuse halacha. It's not something that maybe you ever would have think, thought of because it's not something that's relevant to you or to your life until you, le- you learn the message. The Gemara is talking about when a person has a korban, where they're allowed to eat it. The halakha is certain korbanot, the only place, ve'achilatan, where do you eat it? The Kodesh. You eat it only in a holy place. That means within the confines of the structure of the Beit HaMikdash. Says the Mishnah, listen to this, you're gonna, it's going to go crazy from this. Says the Mishnah, there are rooms, lishkot, in the Beit HaMikdash, that the petach, the opening of the room, opens to the outside. The door goes from the Beit HaMikdash, opens to the outside, to the, uh, to the street, to take you out of the Beit HaMikdash. The opening of the room built in the structure is outside. And there are rooms that are outside the Beit HaMikdash proper, outside the structure, and where does the petach go? The door, the door goes to the inside. Says the Mishnah, unbelievable hadush. I told you you can only eat the korban in a place which is holy. That room that's in the Beit HaMikdash, but its doorway leads outside, that room is considered as if it's outside the Beit HaMikdash. The room that's built outside the Beit HaMikdash, but its door opens into the Beit HaMikdash, that room, even though it's not part of the Kodesh, the halakha is you're allowed to eat a korban in there. And what's it called? Because it's considered to be Kodesh. It's considered to be part of the Beit HaMikdash structure. Rabbi Otay, what a powerful lesson. A person can spend his whole life in the Beit Midrash, his whole life in the Beit HaKneset. But if the Petach, if he sees the doorway as being something he's running away from, the minute the last Kaddish is done, has it, the guy is already halfway down. I remember a bumper sticker that I saw. It was pasted in Musayof Synagogue. It says, Alenu 
זה לא תפילת הדרך. עלינו שבח זה not the prayer you say when you're already on the plane outside the thing. חלאס, if you're running outside of the shul, even if you're in the shul, it's not Kodesh anymore. But if you have a person, Hazit, the guy is working back-breaking labor to be able to pay tuition for his kids, to do everything he needs for the family, killing himself. He doesn't have any time had that. But you know what? His room built outside the Kodesh, it opens into the Kodesh. Every time he wants to, he tries to get a shiur, he pushes himself to the max, he drives, he asks, finds a babysitter if his wife is going out. He figures it out each time. Rabbi, please, Dachilak, I can't, there's nothing I could do. I can't make the shiur. Could you please FaceTime me in? You hear that? I had students who missed the class that they used to come to Thursday nights in, in, in England. And even though in Israel at the time it was two hours later, and the class began at 10 p.m., they said, Rabbi, would it be okay? Could you do a, a FaceTime link? And we had more and more people. Eventually we had a whole group of people tuning in live from Eretz Israel, starting at midnight. You understand? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes your room is not built in the Beit HaMikdash. Your lot in life was not to be in the Beit HaMikdash or the Beit Knesset. You were born to be a guy who's sitting and working every day. Okay. Fine, no problem. But where's your doorway? Where's it heading? Where are you heading? Where are you exiting to? What is your exit strategy from that position? When a person lives that way, then his entire life becomes Kodesh. You know what I love to say in business, in investments, there's something called leveraging an investment. Where you know what, I'm gonna put in 100 grand, but I don't wanna have 100 grand of capital in this. I wanna have a million dollars in capital. So I find nine other people and I say to them, look, I'm putting 100,000 skin in the game. If I put the 100, will you match me? People are willing sometimes because they know that you have a vested interest. So you put in 100, how much you got? A million. Rabotai, you could have a guy who's sitting and learning all the time, but he runs out from the seder. He's running on vacation all the time. He can't wait till the seder is over. He's spending his whole life in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, and it's as if he's not in the Beit HaMikdash at all. And you can have someone else who's only investing the hundred. He's only investing the one hour here and there. Every time he can, he makes the extra effort. But because his petach leads into the mikdash, everything that he does, his whole business, his whole career, his whole home, is considered to be part of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve